You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. We are talking Brewers baseball today, just eight days from Thanksgiving. That is hard to believe. Where does the time go? Adam McKelvey joins us uh, on this Wednesday. Adam, thank you so much for the time. And Adam, uh, when we last spoke, the Chicago Cubs had a 108-year title drought. That is no longer the case. Uh, coming <laughs> off an epic seven-game fall classic, the Cubs, uh, they're off the boats. Uh, they win it for the first time since 1908. And Adam, what I want to find out from you, uh, kind of the pulse of the Brewer fan base in terms of, you know, I kind of find that uh, as a fan, when your team is not in it, you pick a team to root for, for whatever reason you may have. So from the Brewers fans' perspective, uh, you know, because the Cubs are a division foe, do they root against the Cubs, or do they, do they say, you know what, we've got nothing against them? I don't think they're really rivals in the traditional sense. So did fans kind of say we'd love to see this uh, for them and their fan base to end this epic drought? How do you think Brewers fans felt about the Cubs of finally winning it all? Well, I think it's a mix, like anything. But I would, if I had to guess, if we put this up as a poll, I think the majority would not have been rooting for the Cubs. And it's, you know, it's a division rival it's uh, a lot of fans here get irritated when Chicago fans come up you know, to games at Miller Park and kind of tend to take over Miller Park a little bit. So I don't think there's a lot of love between the franchises. I mean, for me, it was cool to be there just from a baseball history point of view, uh, helping out covering uh, for MLB.com. Just to be in the building for that game seven was pretty amazing. So I think there's a respect for what they were able to accomplish, but I don't think in the majority of Brewers fans were jumping up and down when they got that final out. Yeah, that would that would seem to be the case, uh, you know, based on the, the pulse of the fan base. And like you said, when the Cubs come to town, here comes Cub Nation who try to take over Miller Park, and that uh, cannot be uh, too kind uh, for the Brewers fans that uh, do go to those games. But, Adam, like you said, you were in the building, uh, progressive field for game seven. Uh, you know, in my lifetime, I think the only game that can rival that one would be game seven of 91 between the Braves and the Twins, Jack Morris and John Smoltz. That was epic. This was epic. As I'm watching the game on TV, when Rajay Davis hit the homer to tie it, I'm thinking they got it. You know, that uh, this this curse is going to continue for the Cubs. They blow a 6-3 lead at 6-6 now. Was that kind of how you felt at that time? Oh, the momentum swung unbelievably, and I, you know, I had two post uh, post game assignments that day that I really loved. One of them was the guy who got the final out for the Cubs, Mike Montgomery and uh, Carl Edwards Jr., who weren't exactly the names you expected at the start of the season to seal the Cubs, you know, the end of the Cubs title drought. The other story was the rain delay, and you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard that story by now. Jason Hayward called the Cubs into the weight room and they had a little team meeting and they reset themselves a little bit after the disappointment of that Davis-Homer. And there was a, a wide consensus that that rain delay really was a big deal uh, in terms of the, the way that game ended. It allowed the Cubs to kind of hit the reset button, came out, you know, as they put it, I think it was Jed Hoyer who told me, their outlook was all we have to do now is win one inning. And they did, and they're world champs because of it. So it was, uh, it, it was an incredible moment when he pulls that homer, and, and again, just to be there and out in the auxiliary press box, I, I was really happy to be out there instead of in the main box because you're sort of out there with the fans, and there were a ton of Chicago fans there. So it was a, a really memorable, you know, no matter who you're rooting for, just in terms of a baseball history. 
you know, I put this out there that night. I, I think you can make an argument, given the context for both franchises, that that was the best game in the history of baseball. And, and I know there have been better individual performances and better games, and you mentioned one of them that you could put up there, the Morris-Smoltz uh, game. But, I mean, just in terms of 108 years and 78 years of the long droughts, the way that game twisted and turned, the rain coming, I mean, that was an unbelievable baseball game. Uh, just, you know, again, Brewers fans – a lot of them weren't thrilled with the outcome, but but it sure was fun to watch. It really was, and like you said, given the circumstances and the context, uh, I would agree with you that you can make a very strong case that that was the greatest baseball game ever played. Uh, the two teams with the two longest active droughts going head-to-head in a Game 7. You've got a leadoff home run, for crying out loud, on the fourth pitch of the game. You've got the home team battling back from, I believe it was 5-1 at one point, then 6-3, extra innings the rain, the speech, you can't put the stuff in a movie and make it believable. That's how thats how epic it was. So hats off to the Cubs as much as Brewers fans don't want to hear that. They are the 2016 World Series champions. And, Adam, I know that's a memory that you'll cherish for the rest of your life to be there on the scene at uh, Game 7. And I'm getting back to what the Brewers are doing uh, here in the 2016 offseason. I think it's doubtful that many fans are familiar with with the name Paulo Espino, but that's someone you wrote about recently. He's a 30-year-old career minor leaguer, seven years in the farms, I believe, and uh, the Brewers just signed him. When you look at his age, his pedigree, and his circumstances, it sounds a lot to me like Junior Guerra. Uh, Again, Espino was 30. Guerra was 31 at the start of this past season. The Brewers take a flyer on him. Look what happens. Uh, He produces, has a great 2016 do you see some similarities between the two? And is Guerra the reason that the Brewers said, you know what, let's see if uh, Lightning can strike twice with Apollo Espino? Well, you know, I don't know. It, it's a, it, the circumstances are similar, very different guys. Uh, you know, Junior Guerra has that 96 and that great splitter. I don't know that Espino has that sort of an arsenal. But uh, it, just in, in the more general sense, I think it's a reminder that pitching comes from everywhere. And – you don't know which guy is going to come in and play a role for you and which guy is going to be a late bloomer. Um, the thing this guy has going for him, when you look at his numbers, is you need to hit your way on against him. He does not walk anybody. And I think that's one of the strengths that Junior Guerra had going for him as well as he developed and gained the Brewers' notice is he was another guy who, who didn't give up free base runners. I think that is one of the traits as we sort of learn more about David Stearns and Matt Arnold in this uh, Brewers front office, that's obviously one of the traits that they are valuing uh, pretty highly among their pitchers. So this is a guy, uh, you know, if you think back to Junior Guerra last year, he came into spring training. He competed for a job in the bullpen. He went to AAA to start, and then he ended up being promoted in May when the Brewers had a need. You can see this guy, Espino, taking the same sort of a path. Uh, he's a, a, a guy, unlike Guerra, who's not on a 40-man roster, so he's going to have to do it as a non-roster invitee a little different. But, I mean, stranger things have happened in baseball that, you know, this guy will have an opportunity to contribute at some point. And, and you mentioned his long road. He's had 10 years in the minor leagues, parts of seven seasons at AAA. <laughs> you do not see that very often. So he has been right on the cusp of the major leagues for a very long time. And obviously he hopes that this is the year he finally breaks through. Yeah, I give him credit for sticking with it. Uh, you know, a, a decade in the minors, uh, seven of which uh, at AAA, it's, that's got to be more frustrating than being at a lower level because you are so close and you just can't break through. 
But for his sake and hopefully for the Brewers, uh, this is another uh, diamond in the rough. And uh, he finds his way to the big leagues in 2017. Adam, uh, speaking of Junior Guerra himself, what do you think the team does with him? We've mentioned, you know, he had great numbers this year, but, it, you know, he is 31. Is he a guy that, you know, you make a mainstay in that rotation, or is he a guy coming off a career year that you perhaps sell high upon? Well, we'll see. You know, and I don't know the answer to that. There's a case to be made both directions. Uh, um, the, the case for keeping him is that he was their best – he was their pitching MVP last year. Uh, he has five years of club control. Yeah, he's 31, but he has taken such a strange path through professional baseball that he's not a guy who's logged a ton of innings. So he has maybe a younger arm than your typical 31-year-old who has stayed stateside the whole time. Uh, and you need good, you know, you, you still need good players. Even if you're a rebuilding team, you still need guys who can perform. And he's, uh, he showed throughout the course of last season that he was able to perform. The case for trading him, though, is that you are in a position as an organization where you have already traded away a ton of your established assets for prospects. Uh, and the, there's a case to be made that you just go all in in that direction and you just go for it. You trade everybody you can trade, get as many prospects as you can, and build that farm system. And I think that Gara's a guy that when you look at, number one, this market in baseball uh, and how weak, relatively weak the free agent market is, with due respect to all the players who are out there, Rich Hill and company, uh, I think there's – you know, Junior Guerra has some value when you look at what else is out there and the number of teams that will be looking at starting pitching. And then you look at the Brewers roster as it stands right now. I mean, they've got six big league starters uh, for five spots. Uh, and that's not including a guy like Taylor Youngman, who's a former number one pick, who's going to try to get his way back into that mix. And then Josh Hader, their top prospect, who finished last year at AAA. So that puts him kind of on the cusp of the big leagues. And if you follow the last three, four years of the Brewers. They've had a guy in that position, and by some point in the middle of the next season, he ends up in the major leagues. So I think that they're a team that, despite being in rebuild mode, despite coming off a fourth-place finish, they're actually reasonably deep in starting pitching, so it makes a guy like Guerra available. And certainly some of the other pitchers, starting pitchers that they have. Chase Anderson, for example, I think could be had on the market, and you know, even if some team wants to take a flyer on a guy like Willie Peralta, last year's opening day starter for Milwaukee, uh, David Stearns has a number of different options in terms of listening on offers from other clubs, and he says he's had discussions with other clubs. So I, I think there are some avenues that he can pursue there as they continue to just pile up as many prospects as they can. Some interesting decisions uh, lay ahead in the coming weeks and months for sure for David Stearns. And Adam, uh, to wrap up here, Craig Council was recently rewarded with a three-year extension. And, you know, maybe outsiders uh, look at Council in, in his first full season in Milwaukee, 16 games under 500. They kind of say, well, you know, why an extension now? But explain why he is held in such high regard by this franchise. Well, number one, they were better last year than I think almost anybody expected. Um they had some breakthrough performances from some young players. Jonathan VR stands at the top of that list. And Craig Council deserves some credit for the development of some of those players. And, again, the bigger picture here is he's just the guy for this job. I think there's a wide consensus inside the front office among the fans that I hear from that you're not going to find a guy better suited for this role. This is a guy who grew up in the city. 
you know, he grew up around the great Brewers teams because his father worked in the front office. He won a couple of world championships. He wore the uniform uh, as a player in Milwaukee. He's got the respect of these players because of all the things he's done. He's uh, open to the analytical approach of this front office, yet he still has that hard-nosed reputation. He's just got this mix that made the announcement that they had extended him probably the least surprising news. And, in fact, David Stearns called it the easiest decision he's made in his year-plus as Brewers manager. It was just a matter of coming up with uh, a deal that everybody could agree with. That deal, by the way, ended up being three years. Uh, so he's now through 2020. And it's, you know, the caution from David Stearns all along has been, you know, don't put a timeline on us. Uh, they're not thinking in terms of a firm timeline. But this now, I think it's in the minds of fans a little bit, is, okay, this is kind of a window now uh, to do something. And, and as Craig Council said, he is really excited about the prospect of bringing this team back into postseason contention, the prospect of playing October games at Miller Park. And the way he said it is he, he views this as an opportunity or a little certainty that he's going to get to see that project through. Now, the big challenge is there's some other really good teams in this division, starting with uh, the team we began speaking about, the Chicago Cubs, who are also really young. They look like they're going to be good for a really, really long time. And that's going to be the big challenge for this Brewers team now is – can you compete in a division uh, that has a really elite team? Some would argue the best team in baseball. And they're going to have to contend with that for a number of years. Council was asked about that at his press conference. And his take, he's spinning it uh, as a good thing, that he says as they develop, as they rebuild, they're going to have to play against this level of competition. He thinks that's going to make the, the players that they're developing better. So we'll see. Uh, it's a, certainly a tall task, but now he has a little bit of certainty that he's going to have a – uh, an opportunity to see it all the way through. Yeah, and uh, no better guy to have at the helm to face those challenges, as you outlined, than Craig Council, of course. And, uh, Adam, before I let you go, we're speaking here eight days before Thanksgiving, so I want you to reveal to the world, outside of Turkey, which is the main attraction, what is Adam McAlvey's favorite Thanksgiving fixing? <sighs> you know, the turkey for me is the highlight. Of course. Um I have always, though, been uh, a green bean guy. Okay. Uh, the green beans with the, with the fried onions on top yes. that everybody has, yes. with the cream of mushroom soup. And then there's this other one that's always on my family's table that's like green beans with, with like some lemon on it, more like fresh green beans with lemon and some almonds. It's really simple but really delicious. Wow. It's so the lamest answer for a Thanksgiving thing when everybody else is saying mashed potatoes and pie. But uh, to be honest, that is usually the first thing I go for is a green bean. Uh, your colleague Mark Sheldon from the Reds uh, said his, uh, his wife whips up some mashed potatoes, which are to die for. So we've had a few different responses. But nothing wrong with green beans. I'm a green bean guy, and uh, they're always uh, on my plate and in my stomach at Thanksgiving. So I, I definitely uh, see you on that one. And, Adam, I wish you and yours a great Thanksgiving uh, this year. And we will talk again sometime, I think, around the winter meetings in December. Uh, the time is flying by pretty quick. Uh, Adam McAlvey joining us here on this Wednesday. In the meantime, Matt Waymar signing off for MLB.com Extras, Milwaukee Brewers. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. 
Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.